innovation has to make appearances in different industries over time for those industries to continue to stay relevant to generations, provide new opportunities to grow, and to create new influence. Very important. Welcome to the Radio Rally on the Clubhouse app. What you are about to hear will focus on lifting you up, giving you good advice, hearing the stories of some really amazing radio people, and uncovering the path forward in radio right now. Today's live event will also be a podcast. That podcast, all the encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, it will become available soon after the end of this actual live event, wherever you get your podcast. Our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Meet our guests live on the Clubhouse app, or you can subscribe to our podcast so you don't say thing. We actually have two podcasts, Dose, The Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast and The Encouragers The Radio Rally Podcast are both available on Apple, Spotify, Audible, or wherever you get your podcast. Today, Monday, November 1st, hey, you made it. Uh, today, Mark Hawkeye Lewis, famously known the way as Hawkeye in the Morning, on New Country 96.3 KSCS Dallas Fort Worth Texas will be with us in just a minute or two. Also, uh Nikki Thomas, program director of WXBQ Johnson City Kingsport Bristol. This is going to be a fascinating night on our radio rally and you're here for it. So, before we get started with our guest for this event right now on Clubhouse, forget next Monday, November 8th, we have Chase Patrick Murphy, who's the brand manager and marketing person. He's, by the way, he's also a published author. We're going to talk about him and what he is up to. The amazing Corey Dillon, who does mornings on 100.7 Big FM in San Diego, will be our co-host for the Monday, November 8th episode. And of course, we'll all be joined. I'm excited about this too, because it's our first real news talk expert. Dennis Glasgow will be here. He is the program director of WONKFM, iHeartMedia in Washington, D.C. And oh, the stories he'll tell us. See our guest list all the way through. Uh, I, gosh, I think we're putting people in January right now. You can see this in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. We have encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And even more encouragement for local radio sellers with our Encouraging Sales Success Series, as well as free resources for anyone who is making a living in the radio business today. We do not lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do. We do that for a very simple reason. We believe in this theory of abundance. Ask me about it sometime. I'll be glad to tell you. So go to RainmakerPad.com anytime, 24-7. See what you can get for free from our team. Please follow the people on this stage at this event. Look around the room for people that you can also connect with. We're a big believer's. Uh, we're big believers in encouraging you. A big part of that is networking inside the radio business. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. Higher ratings are not a mystery. 
It's a practice. It's what we do. Our clients are exclusive products like our Music Lab, which prevents music drift, our branding candy, which hyper-focuses your brand images for success, and our morning show fame development coaching that puts the accent and the action in the right place to create uh, current audience responses that you will love. We call that higher ratings. If you know somebody who needs help, somebody who uh, would like to have their situation turn out a little bit different and a little bit better for them, reach out anytime, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Let's do catch up with Heather Froglier at K-Frog. Heather, how are you? I'm good. Just, uh, you know, uh, wrapping up a Monday. I fell victim to show prep a couple months ago. I saw saw the Franzia. made a box wine costume. So I had to buy it. And it was the one with the dispenser. So you buy oh, wait a minute. So you do, wait, you use this all the time, not just Halloween then, right? Well, I might be now. I want to get my $50 yeah. worth. But uh, so of course I went as box wine because everybody knows I like wine. And uh, Anthony uh, went as Freddie Mercury and he absolutely nailed it. It was, it was really fun. We, you know, we thought, uh, you know what? Going on, he's going no, to paternity he... leave on Friday. First he time really dad, looked so like thought that. we would get a little crazy for Halloween. Yeah, he really looked like Freddie Mercury. He and he oh, lived yeah. in that, that character the entire day. We took him out uh, to the driving range after our show Friday night. All the DJs, we all met. And it's a lighted driving range, a lighted course. And um, we told everybody to wear their costumes. It would be fun. Well, we sort of pranked him, and Anthony was the only one wearing a studded armband and a, a white <laughs> oh. uh, tank top, <laughs> hitting balls, and oh. yeah, it was fun. Yeah, well, that's kind of interesting. Now, this next one, uh, uh, this next question is only because it's startling to me, because here you are on this modern country station, and you know I'm not from the area, so I'm just going to say I saw something additional on your social media that wasn't exactly what I expected to see. It was the Statler Brothers, and it was a big promotion. (laughs) You know, that's a very legendary country name, obviously, from a long time ago. Of course, I saw that involved in something called K-Froggers for Kids Radiothon. Tell us about the Statler Brothers. Well, first of all, Lloyd, I love you. You're funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's not Statler Brothers, it's Stater Brothers. Stater Brothers is our family-owned and operated grocery store chain here in Southern California. They have about 200 stores, and they uh, also have a charitable arm of their their business called Stater Brothers Charities, and they are our presenting sponsor for our K-Froggers for Kids Radiothon, which is year number 20 this year. It'll happen. Which is great. Yeah. Which is great. $7 million for our local hospital. So it's not the Statler brothers. I'm so, so disappointed. So now wait a minute. So you're saying <laughs> that the Statler brothers are not going to have this huge comeback. It is not coming from Riverside. No. These are just grocers, but they're great because they're helping you with the radiothon. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. They're a great client and we're happy to have them on board again. All right. I love that y'all are doing that. I love any radio station. Uh, people that don't know me really well may not know that I have a kiddo who is a leukemia survivor. So yes. if you never hear, if you never ever hear from another parent 
how grateful we are for anybody who raises money for St. Jude, anybody who raises money for Children's Miracle Network. Tonight, you're going to hear that right now. I am so grateful. I think you're all superheroes. And speaking of superheroes, you've got a great guest for us tonight, don't you? I do. And I want to start off by saying, um, you know, Nikki didn't have to be here tonight. She's under the weather, but she graciously agreed to uh, be our guest tonight, Nikki Thomas. Thanks for being here, sweetie. I hope you're okay. I am. I'm post covid So, um, yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. And like um, Lloyd mentioned earlier, she's the PD at WXBQ. And um, she's also part of the Steve, Ben, and Nikki show. And we want to make sure that the first thing we do is congratulate you all on your CMA award for small market broadcast personality of the year. Aww. Hello. Thank you. And congratulations. While I have you on, on your induction into the country radio hall of fame, Heather. Thank hello. You. Hey. Um, so tell everybody how you got the news that day that you guys won. Well, you know what they, they send an email out from the CMA and they say, Hey, if you've won, this is what's going to happen. And they kind of set it up for you and they have certain things, and especially because of COVID, it's just different protocol now. So they have certain ways that they want people to record things for social media and this and that. So we didn't think we were going to win. We were up against some really great talent and people that we really respect. And so, you know, we got into like maybe second hour of the show, third hour of the show. We're just kind of looking at each other and it's like, this is not going to happen. This, <laughs> this is not happening. <laughs> And so we gave up completely. I'm like, I'm just going to go to my office and put this stuff up. So I took everything that we had that we were supposed to do because, well, I'm me. I take everything into my office. I stop by, say hello to the sales manager because this is like our last hour of the show and it's like really music intensive. And I start walking back down the hall back to do the last two breaks and people started running towards me. I thought something was wrong with the station. <laughs> so I go back into the studio and Carly Pierce was on the phone. Oh and I have to tell you, I Chris Lamb, who's over at BMLG, I've known Chris for like a million years. Yes. I thought Chris was pranking us. <sighs> I really, like, no joke. So when I walked in and the two guys were in there and they're talking to her. And I'm, I'm like, I thought, I thought they were crazy. Like, I thought they were messing with me. Uh-huh. Yeah, but apparently not. So I, I don't know how they messed up and made us winners, but God bless them. So oh, that was no accident, I promise you. What does it feel to get a feather in your cap like that? You know, the ultimate compliment from the CMAs. I mean, what did you guys, what were you thinking? Were you just, you know, gobsmacked? Yeah, you, you know, I mean, it's... Uh... I think anybody who's ever gone through the process of putting one of those entries together, I think you, you know, there's so much that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, it's a culmination of your year and it, it's just so big. And it, I, really, when I say that we weren't expecting, we were not expecting it. But, you know, my whole thing uh, since day one has been whenever I've put one of those together, whether it be for, you know, station of the year uh, whatever is okay. If we do all these different things that we're doing our job, right, we're checking all the boxes. So, I mean, we were just stunned. I mean, it, it was like, wow, because like I said, there's some really great talent that was, you know, that was up for that award too. So we felt really blessed. Uh huh. You know, I think in uh, some years past, there's been a panel or two uh, at CRS with regard to putting together, you know, your package, because that, you know, obviously that's like, an air check, if you will, that those folks that vote for you are going to be listening to. Would you 
say that you're pretty organized throughout the year? Is that the best way to go oh. about putting together your package, saving everything? <laughs> well, Heather, if I were responsible, I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm I'm a terrible procrastinator. I hate to say that. I do I do bank everything as I go through the year, and then I scramble. and And that's I, I hate to say that, but it, it's just the truth. And you know, usually what happens is you end up with way more than because you only have like a certain amount that you can put in mm -hmm. on that entry. Mm -hmm. And so when you start putting stuff together, I mean, usually there's way too much, and then you just start cutting things. But I mean build it up through like sometimes I'll post things on social media. So I'll have it. I know that sounds crazy, no, that's but a great that, way to do it. Yeah. It just, I keep, you know, and it's, it's a good chronological order of how things have happened. And so I keep that I've got files, I've got stuff everywhere. And then I try to make it sense like maybe two hours before the things do. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't think you're alone in that. <laughs> I'm guilty over here. <laughs> well, um, since we just got started, let's, go back in Nikki's history. Can you tell us how you got bit by the radio bug and then how you ended up where you are today? Um, oh my gosh. I started out working at a small like hometown radio station. I was going to college and working at a fast food place and there was an earthquake in North Carolina because oh where I'm <laughs> where I'm from is right on the North Carolina Tennessee state line. So and we have lots of mountains and wherever you have mountains, you have earthquakes. It's just how it is. So our local ABC affiliate sent this guy into this Hardee's where I was working. And I remember the guy walking in and he looked around and it's like the old, the old, like hundred year old coffee drinkers club or whatever. And he's looking pitiful, at, you know, and he turned around, he looked at me and I'm like, oh my God, I, I think I could do your job. And the guy literally looked at me and said, oh my God, will you talk to me? And I'm like, I'm talking to you now. He goes, no, 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 no. Well, you talked to me on TV. And and that's how it happened. Oh, my God. It went from that. It was a fluff story. And it was me doing one-liners through his fluff story. And these people who owned a radio station in my little bitty town saw me on TV and came through the next day and offered me a job. Oh, my God. So you got your start in TV. What? No. Well, kind of, sort of, yes and no. Because, I mean, it was a radio station. They saw me on TV, offered me a job at the radio station. That is amazing. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, it is. And then, to, well, and to figure that I ended up in California for like 14, 15 years after that, you know, uh -huh. we're, yeah, real earthquake country. So, yes. Yeah. But I ended up going from there over to, I worked at KSF in Asheville. We, you know, I Gosh, we flipped the format there in the 90s because country was so huge. And from there, ended up going to work for CBS Infinity in California. From there, uh, they sold us. We were one of the first spinoffs. Um, whenever CBS started spinning things off, we were one of the first clusters that they let go. And I ended up going to work for KATM. Randy Bubba Black yeah. had been after me to come to work for him. And I'm like, I don't want to go to Modesto. And I hate to say this because there was like a lot of negative you know, news coming out of Modesto at the time. There were some scary stories coming mm -hmm. out of there. And I was like, I don't want to go there. And then it's kind of where life led me. And my dad actually was alive at the time. And he had recommended that I go to work there. He's like, well, who knows? Maybe you can transfer back home. And Citadel owned WIBK, which was near where I was from. So that's, I went to work for that radio station, hoping that one day that I would end up at IBK, which I eventually did. So there you go. That's that's that. And then I ended up after I, I told Lloyd about this. Um, 
I knew probably about a year, year and a half into my last three years at Cumulus that I was going to make a change. And so when my contract ended in September of 2019, I ended up coming up here and I love these people. They're great. So everything, I guess, works out the way it's supposed to. That's right. I think that's a, a common theme, you know. God always knows where you're supposed to be. Um, what makes a great radio team, in your opinion? What is what's special about you know you, Steve, and Ben working together? Oh my gosh, I am so lucky. Honestly, uh, these guys are. You know, Ben. Ben has a lot of experience. Ben used to work at Y100. Uh, Steve's been at WXBQ for a long time. I think he was at TQR maybe years and years ago. And we are all so incredibly different. Every, you know, all three of us. Mm -hmm. and, and it's kind of cool because I think you have to have that diversity. I think there has to be openness. I think you have to have shared goals. And and that's kind of the thing. I mean, we started out in coaching sessions, Heather, and they would come into my office every day after the show and we would sit down and go over things. And these guys were, why don't you just come do the show with us? And this went on for, I don't know for how long. Finally, they just came in, sat down together and said, look, now we've both talked about this and we want you to come be on the show. And, and that's kind of where I gave in because, you know, I, I don't know. I love working with them. I think they're brilliant. Mm -hmm. Steve is one of the most creative people I think out there in the business. Um, but they're just so different. And there's something I think for every person that listens to that show, there's something there for them. Yeah. 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 Which, and it's, you know, it's, you don't find a ton of morning shows that have, you know, three people. So this is a great thing, you know, um, what do you look for as a PD in talent these days? Well, you know, these guys, it's, this is a really, really special market. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard to find good talent. I hate to say that. I think anybody who's been in a position where you've had to look for good talent, it's, you know, there's not that, that training ground that we used to have. I don't know about you, yeah. but when I started out radio, I would, whatever shift I could work, I didn't care. Mm -hmm. I just, whatever I could do. And there's not any of that anymore. Yeah. So I think when you do find someone and every now and then I've been blessed and fortunate enough to find people who have that spark, you know, I mean, they're few and far between, but when you see it and you hear it, I think, you know, that it's an intangible. I hate to say that, but that's, that's what it is. There's a feeling to what they bring to a situation mm -hmm. and, and their talent. So what, what do you say to those companies that may be looking more for influencers as talent rather than somebody with radio experience? I don't, you know, well, Heather, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's altogether a bad thing. Because I think there's personality involved in that. And I think, you know, that's kind of where this business has kind of morphed. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, we, you know, you have to evolve or you die. That, that's just how right. that goes. So I think there are people out there and who knows in a different time, in a different place, if radio, you know, if it still had some of that same, you know, soul that it used to have back in back in the day, so to speak. These people would have ended up on radio. Sure. You know, I mean, because that's what they're doing They're They are, it's charisma yep. and that's, that's what we're selling anyway. Yep. Excellent point. Is there, I'm just curious about this. I thought I would throw this question out to you today. Is there a piece of technology or an app or anything that's really helped you personally progress, you know, in the last decade, say? Um, I'm going to definitely say my phone. 
Absolutely. 100%. I hate to say that, but it's true because there's so much that I can do on my phone, uh, whether it's video editing, audio editing, if I have to put together presentations. um, I mean, I've got an app for everything. They tease me about this at the radio station all the time, but I could, you know, throw something together in, in just like maybe 15, 20 minutes using my phone. So it's kind of an an extension of myself. But, and and I will say this, if anybody ever needed any help (laughs) in finding good apps and things that they could use, a lot of those are paid. Uh, Some have free versions, but I'm more than willing to tell people what I use because I mean, I think some of these things are lifesavers. Which one is your absolute favorite aside from uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Oh, oh gosh. Oh, no, no. Oh, as far as the so- social media, no, no, no. I'm talking like Twisted Wave, which mm-hmm. is a really great, it's it's audio editing mm-hmm. and you can record, you can edit, you can do a ton of different things on there. It's got a lot of functionality. Um, you can also use like things like, I don't know, you can do iMovie. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's an easy one, but there's a quick video, which is a cool thing through GoPro, which you can do tons of things with that. The over app, Canva. I mean, there are so many different things, Heather. It's hard to pick. I love Canva. I would say that's my new favorite. <laughs> yes. Um, what was the one you mentioned before? Um, oh, nuts. The Twisted Wave? Yes. Somebody had mentioned that for doing uh, remote call-ins and such. That was yeah. Really easy to do. So I'll have to check that one out. Thank you for that. Well, it's wonderful. You honestly, I I encourage you to get that because here's the thing. Not only can you, you know, when you record that audio, when you're trying to cut and you're trying to edit, I mean, it's really like using a Vox Pro with your finger. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's lightning fast and the audio quality is not terrible. Plus you can also convert those files. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's awesome. So Nikki, what excites you every morning when you wake up about work? Oh gosh, well, Heather, you and I, we talked about this a little bit um, after your induction because I, I was so moved by what you said because you basically, you spoke my heart and you didn't even know that. Um, I really feel like the more that we do for our community, if we do, if we do our job as radio people mm-hmm. and we are taking care of the community, everything else will fall into place. That's right. And I mean that, you know, we raise more money for charity. We get more listeners. We're making more revenue and revenue. I mean, hey, that's what it's all about, right? Sure, sure. But but if you do the things that you're supposed to do and you you look at it from that standpoint, it makes it so much easier for everybody. And so I get so excited. Sometimes I think maybe to a fault because I I mean, I get hyped because I love that. I mean, when you have a chance, you know, to raise money for charity or to bring awareness, or if you know that you've made an impact, that's Mm -hmm. so huge. It's so bigger than all of us. And that's what, you know, that's the heart of this business to me. So I think that's what it is. Uh, You hit the nail on the head and and you're right. You and I were discussing this um, on social media. And I think, you know, all the years that a lot of us have put into this business, you know, those moments, those, you know, radiothon moments where you wave the flag, you know, here's a million dollars after a two day broadcast or whatever, or that listener that comes up to you and said, I heard you talking about, you know, your son or daughter with leukemia. And I went to this hospital and thank you for that message that that is the climax for all of us. That is why that makes all those go out the window. I I absolutely agree. And I mean, and and that's the thing, too. If someone and I I challenge any person that's listening to this right now that works in radio, if someone told you 
when you were a child, when you were a little bitty kid, that you would have the means, that you would have a platform, mm. that you could help save lives, you could help make lives better, you, you could do so many different things for people you don't even know. Would you believe them? And, and for, for that matter, have if you have that as a platform, are you doing that? Because you know what? You have that ability when so many other people don't. Yes. I feel like, preach, girl, preach. Everybody's hands are in the air right now. Lloyd's going to bounce his mute mic off and on here. Watch, here it comes. That is <laughs> there it is. There's the applause. <laughs> that is truly the best part of our jobs. So how do you maintain your passion? Because there are going to be those days where you're feeling down, you're feeling sick, perhaps, or there's critical <laughs> stuff going on in your life, and you have to come to work, and you have to flip that switch? How do you maintain that passion? It, Heather, I, it really, I mean, it goes, it goes back to that community service thing. It, it really does. I hate to say that, you know, over and over, but, and repeat myself, but I really believe that. And I feel that. And I've never, I've been in good situations and I've been in terrible situations and I've never really lost the sight that, of the goal, which has always been, you know, to try to do something better, to try to make things better for the community. I mean, I, it's an outlet. Like that's, that's what keeps me going mm -hmm. because I feel like, you know, it's, it's a blessing and it's a privilege to, to be able to do that. So I try to keep that in mind all the time. And yeah. when I see good things happen, when I see big things happen, whether it's a fundraiser, which those are always, oh my gosh, they're awesome. Or even if you're doing like a big show and anytime those, those successes like that, I've, Man, I revel in that. And I love that because that's proof positive that what we do works. Yeah. And you have, I mean, you are one of our rays of sunshine in radio. You have such a wonderful reputation. You're Aww. always so positive about things. And, you know, even though, you know, you may not know your brethren that we're sitting with on this call. I mean, that is what people know about Nikki Thomas. So what is the best advice someone gave you early on in your career that maybe you hold on to today? Um, I don't know if anybody on here is familiar with a guy named George Johns. George was a consultant years ago. I think he's in West Palm Beach. And yes. George is, he is a character. And he's one of the smartest people I think I've ever met in this business. And years and years ago, when I was doing mornings at KSF in Asheville, I remember, you know, I, I was trying to live my life on the air and I was always on and I, Heather, it's, it's, oh, this is terrible. I couldn't really turn it off and I didn't really know how to turn it off. And I think George was able to help me channel that and point that out. And he did it in such a way that it made perfect sense to me. And he's a very abstract thinker. And I mm -hmm. think he realizes he, he can pick that out in other people. So he knows how to speak crazy to, to crazy people. And we totally get it. And he just kind of helped me to channel that. And he also, and I wish I could put this uh, in better terms on this call, but it, it's too much to go into. But there's a certain way that when you're doing a show, a way to tell a story and to remember who you're talking to and what they're feeling. And remember that. Remember how you're, you know, you can make a person feel. That's, that's everything. Yeah. George Johns, I cannot believe you worked with him too. He used to consult here when we were owned by the Amaturo Group, and then we went to American Radio, mm -hmm. and then Viacom. Yeah, 
Yeah, he was. I think he coached uh, Jeff and Jer in San Diego before they actually made it to San Diego. Yeah, he is a character for sure. Yeah. Well, again, I know you're not feeling that great, and I'm so glad you're okay, first of all. Thank you. That's nothing to mess around with. If you are up to it, we would love to have you stick around. And at the end, there's some questions from the audience. Um, they will ask you. And if you're not, please don't, you know, feel bad about that. Just, you know, let us know, flash your light. And I'm going to turn it over to Lloyd. Nikki, it was awesome to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to hear from Hawkeye. Come yes. on, man. This is the place, right? So thank you, Heather. And thank you, Nikki. And look, you can catch Heather and her show on the stream at Cave Frog and Riverside San Bernardino. The radio rallies are weekly opportunity to visit with radio and visit in our group, the Encouragers, here on the Clubhouse app. Make your mark if you've not liked or joined the Encouragers. Do it tonight while you're here. And, of course, you know that we have at least two events every single week designed to help you grow your radio and audio career. Our next guest as oh, you know, before I get to that, I do need to say something to Nikki. Nikki? You're going to have to send me all those apps so that I can publish those at RainmakerPathway.com. We'll give you credit for those, and you'll be helping spread, what is it they say, paying it forward. So, well, I appreciate that if you do that uh, later tonight. Uh, now, our next guest, go ahead. I was about to say, you don't have to give me credit for it, Lloyd. I'll just send them all to you. It's all good. You go, girlfriend. All right, listen, our next guest, uh, I promise you right now that this guest is curious interesting, highly likable, okay? Uh, he's uh, really interesting in a lot of different ways. He is one of only six inductees into the Country Radio Hall of Fame class of 2020. I know that was memorable for him because, well, let's just think about what 2020 was for all of us. Yet in no way is he somebody that you could say is resting on his butt, actually. He doesn't live in the past. He is an amazing content generator right now and somebody who is a real participator. So you'll you'll very quickly see exactly what I mean as we go through this interview and we talk about different things that he's doing. Our next guest, Mark, or as I should say, maybe better known as Hawkeye, the longtime morning show host of 96.3 KSCS Dallas-Fort Worth. Uh, he is the author of the book, The Travis Club. You can listen uh, to this review of that book right now. Quote, what prize? I highly recommend this book to all mystery lovers. A great read. Couldn't wait to find out what would happen next. I love this book. You can't put it down. And uh, it certainly fit the bill. Very engaging. I really couldn't stop reading it. A fantastic and completely believable story. Unquote. Hawkeye. Welcome to the Radio Rally with the Encouragers. How are you, sir? Doing great. And I have to say, I totally laughed at Nikki's story when she was waiting for the CMA. Thing. Uh, I got the same email and I had the exact same reaction she did. It's like, this isn't going to happen. It's not going to happen. The show goes on like, OK, it's not going to happen. You're getting kind of bummed out. Fortunately for Nikki, she got the call. We did not oh. get the call. <laughs> oh, we didn't well, get the how call. Did you... Really? Yeah. So I, I, 32 years, I've never won a CMA award and I'm still waiting. So is that uh, for real? You've that's never totally for Never won a CMA award in 32 years. Uh, even Terry Dorsey and I, Terry Dorsey won one back when he was at KPlex. 
But when we came over to KSCS together, I came up from San Antonio. Uh, we never won one together and haven't won one since he retired. So it's been 32 years. I'm still waiting. So Unbelievable. <laughs> the things that can happen, right? So, yeah. so look, here you are, this really big time Dallas-Fort Worth morning show leader. And, and I want to know, is it because you came from San Antonio? Why, why were you inspired to write a book about San Antonio? Well, I'm actually a military brat, and my dad dropped his kids off all over America, and I got dropped off in San Antonio. And I've always been very uh, curious about history, and San Antonio is just an amazing town to live in. It was built in the—it was started in the 1700s by the Spanish. The second oldest park in the United States is still in existence. It's in San Antonio. There's stuff that the Spanish built that are still there. It's like living in a historical museum. It's unbelievable. Um, and, and I, there was a lot of, when I was living there, uh, before I moved to Dallas, there was a lot of stories that were told about the history of San Antonio that were kind of like oral history and nobody ever bothered to research them or write them down. And maybe they weren't stories that were enough for a whole book, but there were stories that were worth a couple of pages. And so I started doing the research and interviewing people and it just became kind of a passion project and it started out slowly and just kind of got bigger and bigger. And when we published the book for the very first time, and uh, I'd already moved on to Dallas, it took a while to find a publisher because people said it wouldn't work. And it, it came out in 1992, the very first edition, and we sold out 3,000 copies in the first weekend that it came out. Because um, huh. I knew everybody in media in San Antonio was on everybody's show. That's why it sold out. Oh, nice. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, well listen. You know, it's really interesting. You know, you're supposed to be like this fun morning show guy, but here you are researching and writing a book. I also love this. Before I even ask anything about mornings, I get to point out that you have a podcast called Travels with Hawkeye. So let's see. You write books. You have a podcast. What makes you such a participator in all these things? You know, I the, the podcast is something I just um, – I started uh, just because I, you know, when podcasts first kind of came out, I've been doing it for, I, I can't even remember how long I've been doing this now, the podcast, uh, eight, nine years. It was, you know, it was right when it kind of started. And I always thought it'd be great to have a travel show. And I actually bought time on our sister station, WBAP, and did a travel show there for a year and sold spots. Boy, what a humbling experience selling your own spots is. And it totally changed right? my perspective about sales. It And I, man, I, I, I would not that I recommend everybody do this, but it really that was it it really changed my attitude when it came to dealing with sales. But anyway, I it, it just was it took so much time just to break even doing an hour long radio show about travel, even though it did very, very well. And I was able to sell spots. But like I said, it took hours and hours just to break even. I decided just to go with the podcast. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just I've been an interest. My wife and I are uh, huge travelers. My dad and mom. They retired early from the military and, and traveled the world. And everybody in our family is just, uh, you know, does a lot of traveling and curious. We encourage each other with our adventures. And so my well, dad's been a guest many times on the on the podcast and the show before that. Well, no, wait. Everybody says it's really expensive to travel. Is that true or is that not true? Okay. Go to a website called Scott's Cheap Fares. It's Scott's Cheap Fares. And and you get emails about you. It's free to join. And it's unbelievable how many how cheap it is to travel, because uh, yeah. every day he comes out with different uh, different. Uh, it's Scott's cheap flights. I'm sorry, Scott's cheap flights. And we just did a podcast with Scott, actually. And you can I mean, there are trips to Europe for like two, three hundred dollars that come out every single day that he finds. What? 
Yeah. So if you're budget conscious and who isn't, I mean, if you want to travel, you can travel more if you're budget conscious. Uh, It's unbelievable what you can find. Scott's cheap flights. Uh, You can get the the free membership or the the premier one. And it's just a guy that started. He found a trip to Japan for one hundred and fifteen dollars. It was a mistake. And all his friends said, next time you find one of those flights, let me know. So he started an email list with his friends and then it just grew from that. And now it became just uh, just a, a huge business for him. Now, you see there, radio people, you can fly and become <laughs> right here on the Encouragers. Listen, uh, you you brought him up before. When, when Terry Dorsey retired, you moved into the main role of the morning show. Mm-hmm. What was your priority in keeping the show moving forward and KSCS strong in the community? Well, it was kind of at an unusual time when Terry retired. And by the way, Terry uh, gave us nine days notice that he was retiring. Nine days. <laughs> Literally, he said, hey, uh, he told us on a Monday, he said, hey, next Wednesday is going to be my last day. And we were like, what? <laughs> I mean, I, I felt that it was coming. And I thought he was going to, you know, he said, hey, I got something to tell you after the show. I really thought he was going to say, <laughs> hey, uh, this summer or, you know, this will be my last year. No, next Wednesday. So we didn't really have a lot of time. Interesting, though, uh, over the years, kind of him and I switched roles. Uh, you know, he when I first came there, you know, Terry Dorsey was just in my Whoa. book. He, he kind of invented morning radio. There's stuff that consultants teach you today that Terry was doing instinctively back in the 80s. It really, I mean, it was, I could not have picked a better person to to uh, to work with. I mean, he taught me everything I know, basically, about morning radio. Um, as, as By the end, it, you know, we kind of we had switched roles where he was the smart aleck guy, you know, who could say anything you want. He was the older guy that nobody ever questioned, you know, and, and I became kind of the voice of reason. We literally switched roles. It kind of organically happened. Um, so when he retired, I kind of, you know, I kind of wanted to look for someone who was in that role that Terry had been fulfilling for the last few years. Um, as Terry, you know, kind of gave me the opportunity to kind of take over the main part of the show because he knew he was kind of winding down his career. And it was a very gracious he, move on his part. Did he pick you? Did You know, was there that feeling that he was going to give you the baton kind of? Um, you know, it just it kind of really happened organically, really, you know, I, I kind of sense that he was kind of getting near the end and he was ready to kind of move on. And we, the, the thing too, that kind of, I mean, he probably, we had, we got sold and that last sale, we'd been sold a couple of times throughout our career. And, and the last right. sale was, was kind of difficult on all of us. Uh, you know, I mean, it was a bad, it was not the best time for radio and a lot of consolidation and cutbacks and stuff. Mm. And, um, it was kind of a difficult time. I think that kind of kind of accelerated his decision too. Yeah, he's probably, he's probably going to retire. Business. Yeah, he's probably going to retire on Friday, and he decided to move it up to Wednesday. Hmm. <laughs> well, well, listen. You've been so successful. We love to encourage our guests to encourage others in our business. Can you share what you see as say the the three most important things an on air personality can do? in their own building today? Because it's not just being on the air, right? No, no. Well, you know what's interesting is I read an article that you wrote called Seven Ways Radio Personalities Get Ahead Today. And I was like, man, that just hit the nail on the head for me. It's like so many things that are kind Thank of, you. you know, my philosophy. I thought this is exactly, you know, well, and, and a couple things changed kind of my perspective. One was a very humbling experience, as I mentioned before, is I sold my own spots for a short time. And I realized how difficult that is. 
And um, I just realized how hard the salespeople work to make a sale. And, mm. and so I really decided to be, you know, kind of have a different attitude towards sales. And it was almost before, and you could have this attitude back when we were, had all these ad dollars rolling in, you could be almost adversarial <laughs> towards sales. And I don't really think that's wise anymore. And, you know, if you've got that attitude, it doesn't really serve you well. And let me say this too, you know, if you're a social media influence and Ray, uh, influencer and Ray-Ban came to you and said, hey man, I want you to wear my sunglasses, but two posts uh, a month up there and we'll pay you $500 a month to talk about Ray-Ban. You'd do that in a second. Like, what can I do for you, Ray-Ban? Thank you for the free aviators. Well, that's, that's, right. what your, that's what your salespeople are doing for you. They're literally doing the same thing for you. They're bringing you clients. And the opportunity to be an endorser is much greater than it was back in the 80s and 90s. So there's much more opportunity there. So I try to have more of a, uh, I like to call it the Ted Lasso attitude in the building. Um, when it comes to, I, uh, man, I'm such a fan of that attitude of Ted Lasso. Uh, when a salesperson comes to me, I have a line that I like to use and say, hey, can I see you at you know, 10 a.m. when you get off the air? I have you know, something I want to talk to you about. My first line is to them is, how can I make your day better? And I'll go in there with a positive attitude because I know how hard they work. And uh, we know we're all in the same business and those ad dollars are shrinking and we're all fighting very desperately for them. I'm lucky that the company I work for, Cumulus, really does invest in local talent now. And, and also behind that, we have six morning shows in our building on six stations. Six local morning shows. How many? Yeah. But they also invest in the salespeople to sell that to make that successful. And so I appreciate the effort that management has done to give me the sales support. So I like to be positive. Um, and then I also try to do more than expected. I always try to, you know what, over, uh, under promise, over deliver. I want to be known in the building as the guy that everybody wants to work with. Um, I want to be known as, hey, you know what? Uh, because your ratings are not always going to be there for you. And when the ratings are great, if you accept the attitude with like, hey, my ratings are great, come to me and show me what you can do for me. Those people, when your ratings are down, are not going to be in your corner. <laughs> That's right. And by the way, in case you're just tuning in, we are talking to Tom Brady about his Super Bowl <laughs> rings. This is what, it, no, but it's really Hawkeye. It's what it feels like when your morning guy is coming to you and talking about how humble it is to go and sell the product and to have that experience and bring that back into what you're doing. And then your attitude toward what can I do for you? You're kind of the captain of the team, you know, will look at you for that leadership. Speaking of which, you work with Cook's, Children, Cook's Children's Hospital and you're on the board with the Dallas Marathon. Tell us about local connections and how that is the key to your 30 years on the air in Dallas-Fort Worth. Well, you know what? That's one of the things I wasn't very good at at the beginning. And uh, and I didn't, um, uh, I, that kind of came later in my career. You know, I just, I've always wanted, I mean, everybody, as Nikki said, getting involved in your community and helping out your community is, is just fantastic. And being able to do that, using your leverage as a personality on a top radio station, as Heather is and Nikki is too. I mean, Huge. I mean, it, yeah, it opens doors for you. And, you know, like the Dallas Marathon thing was really strange. I just did it. Uh, I did a kind of a fundraiser for them. Uh, Dallas Marathon raises money for Texas Scottish Rite Hospital. And they asked if I wanted to join the board. I'm actually the chairman now of the board. I run the Dallas Marathon. I have a paid staff. It's a second. It's been a second job for me the past two years. This is my last year doing that. Um, and it's been my wife really encouraged me when they asked me if I would like to run for a position on the board. And then I got 
kept moving up the ladder and they asked if I'd like to be the chairman. And this I, is I, what I mean about you, by the way. <laughs> You're not just the guy that's doing mornings on this radio station. You have all these different things that you only use this word once with your family. You said we use our curiosity. You're a curious guy, aren't you? I yes, um, <laughs> yes, I I really am. And um, funny, my wife and I will go on vacation. We'll go somewhere like we'll spend the day somewhere. And then on the way home from where we went, I'll be on Wikipedia or online the rest of the day, finding out everything oh. I can about the place we just went to. Hey, you know this. Um, but uh, but like I was telling you, my wife was the one that really encouraged me to take the position as chairman of the board of the marathon. And it was so nice. outside my wheelhouse. And I, I, you know, people who are on that board are like they're uh, executives. Uh, <laughs> they're bona fide, is what you're going to say, right? Exactly. And I told them, I said, I don't bring to the board what other people bring to the board. And they said, you know what? You bring a lot of skills we've never had. And, you know, the board really was kind of lacking in marketing and also uh, media savvy. And we had a contract for our broadcast that was really not very good that I recognized immediately. And I got us, uh, uh, you know, I, I I made a lot of changes and I was able to get a local television station to come on board and give us all the exposure for free because of personal relationships I had. So I'm glad my wife kind of convinced me to get out of my box of there because it kind of opened up a whole new world to me and met people I never would have met and opened doors that never would have opened. So um, it's been exciting. And I, I kind of like to see where that would go after I get off the board and maybe do something else in that realm. Um, we'll see, you know, if that uh, if I can parlay that into something else, uh, just it's such a wonderful time. I'm going to miss it when it's gone. Definitely will. You're such a balanced guy with all these things. I wonder if part of it is just that maturity that also happens to a man. I know the women uh, listening will be like, what? What Maturity happens to a man, but it's true. As you get older, uh, you tend to have a little bit more balance in what you're doing. I wonder if that has played a role, too, although your wife may have played the biggest role, right? She played a humongous role. And it's also that uh, our daughter's grown up now and has a family of her own. So we have more free time that literally, oh, I, I mean, that has a lot to do with it. When you're, when your kids are out wait of the minute, house. Wait a minute. She's like, I got to get him something to do. So he will not do this Wikipedia <laughs> thing with me. Exactly. So let, let's talk about this. Some of the most powerful and most influential social media influencers may often be overlooked, especially I think by radio who are they in Dallas-Fort Worth? Do you, well, you know these people? Yes. And let me tell you a quick story here. And this was another eye-opening experience. So my co-host, Michelle Rodriguez, who is awesome. Uh, she is just incredible. Her, she and I, we had a little uh, a radio gimmick we wanted to do back uh, when everybody was talking about these monoliths that were popping up. We hired a high school shop class to build us a monolith. And we, we were delivered it out onto the riverbanks on a Saturday and just lit kind of for a few days, saw what happened. And it ended up being on the local news. It was a front page of the local newspaper and it was going crazy. You know, what is this monolith? Who put it there and everything? <laughs> and, and then we came and uh, we had a local, uh, uh, like a paranormal expert talk about the monolith and everything, what they thought. And then we had her back on the air and confessed that it was us. And we ended up back on the front page of the newspaper again. And my program director, Mike Preston, said, I've never seen a radio bit end up on the front page of the newspaper two days in a row. And I said, it's a shame this didn't happen like 30 years ago when everybody cared about the newspaper. And he said, <gasps> he said, well, I think you may be wrong about that. I think more people care about the newspaper than you think. And then I realized as I got a, um, a push notification on my phone about a monolith from the newspaper 
And I realized mm -hmm. that the local media uh, uh, has is probably the most influential uh, or the, the, has the biggest social media following of anybody in your market. I mean, Channel 8 here locally, the ABC affiliate, has 2 million followers on Facebook, right. on Instagram, and on Twitter. And when they do a story, if they don't, maybe if, after they air it, if you don't see it on TV, it's, you know, they have links to it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. And, you know, uh, my daughter is 27 now. She does not, she has never subscribed to a newspaper. She subscribes to the Dallas News on Instagram, and she's always telling me stories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so Michelle and I, and Michelle actually had done a better job of this than I did. We started reaching out to the local media as much as possible. Got to know as many local media people. Did a better job reaching out, connecting with them. And it's paid off. And it's paid off so well for us. And I encourage other people to do that. It's often overlooked. People are like, oh, you know, you got to be no, on wait, TikTok. Wait, 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 wait. When you say that you do that, that's what I want to uh -huh. know. You call, uh -huh. Do you call the news director? Do you call the action? Do you, do you get engaged with the, the actual anchors? Who are we talking about? Multiple ways. Uh, like okay. if, we see a, if we see a story on the air that morning, we know all like the major reporters for all the local news people. We'll we'll connect to them in, many times. Now we have their numbers, but we actually did it before, on Twitter before that. We connected. Hey, can we have you on the air? Talk about that story that you just talked about. You know, we're local. You know, it's they they're like, yeah, I'd love to be on the air. Let me check. You know, when I have time, we'll get them on the air. We tape it if we can. We do. We don't really do things live. We usually tape everything, make it sound live. But then, you know, we, we create relationships with these reporters who do stories. We do that all the time. If there's a story that was on last night that everybody's talking about. Hey, let's get that guy on the air tomorrow. Let's get that reporter on the air and talk to her and see, you know, uh, find out a little bit more in depth about what's going on uh, about that story. And then, we, you know, we get connections with them, with their news department. Their news department's thrilled that the reporters are on. They're just as, you know what, they're just as understaffed and under budgeted as yep. we are. So they're thrilled to have that connection. And so, you know, now actually Michelle and I, every Friday morning, we're on one of the local affiliates talking about what's going on that weekend because of relationships we have with all these people. And, uh, and then we get a video of that. We post that on our social media of us on TV on Channel 11 every morning. And we've just yep. got, and it's just, it, it's unbelievable how, you know, I kind of just looked past them and realized the influence that they still have on, on the big three on, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And so many people are like, yeah, you need to, you know, need to be making the latest dance on TikTok and everything. Hey, that's all well and good. I'm not saying don't do that. But, I, I, but, you know, the traditional forms of media are working just as hard as you are on social media, and they can get your stories out there at a level you'd never imagined. And, I, you know, I, I was overlooking that, and, uh, and shame on me. If you are listening to the encouragers and you don't, what he just said, you don't get the fact that we have people who appear on this thing every Monday night who can help you with your career, you're dead inside. Listen, you, you made this reference earlier when you talked about your movement to the center of that morning show. And then you talked about Terry leaving. A morning show with multiple players is a balance in chemistry and content. How do you manage that balance to make sure that your show is well-rounded? Well, Nikki alluded to one thing uh, about everybody has to have a for the show kind of attitude. And um, and that's what everybody you, you need to look for players on your show that have that attitude. And, you know, uh, you know, if you have a big time star that that's on the show and one person on your team has a connection with that star. And and I'll give an example. Years ago, when Miranda Lambert was just starting out, um, 
we had her on the show and, uh, and I had met her before when she was just starting out in Dallas, Fort Worth, and she ran her own merch booth after her set. And she was like a teenager. And I mentioned just as a joke how she blew me off and she just went off on me. It was hilarious. <laughs> well, you know what? Terry Dorsey, that's the kind of guy he realized that's the whole bit. You know, we, we had a five minute interview, but that two minutes where he's going after Hawkeye. That's going to be the interview. That's part that, you know, that's on the air and became legendary. I mean, people still ask about that. So, you know, that's that's the whole attitude of, you know, for the show. What's the best part of that seven minute interview that you're going to use two minutes of? You know, everybody needs to be on board. If you have one member in the room that's going, uh, I didn't get to ask any. You know, my question didn't make the final cut. That's right. for the show attitude. You've got to realize that, you know, you know, the the listeners are listening for the content. They're not have a scorecard there. I say, well, you know, you asked one question. They asked one. Everybody asked a question. That's not what the listeners are listening for. The other thing, too, that Terry taught me right from the beginning is he had he called it the Jack Benny approach. He said that Jack Benny had an attitude back in the 50s when he had a TV show that he didn't need to be the funniest guy on his show. Because if he had a comedian on the show that killed it the next day in the office, everybody was going to sit there and say, did you see that comedian last night on Jack Benny? That was hilarious. The show will get the credit. It doesn't matter. You, you know, that's all about the for the show attitude that Nikki was talking about. Everybody's got to be in together and realize that what you do, as long as the show sounds great. Uh, Jeff Miles from McCaleb in Dallas told me the show is the star. Everybody that's else right. are just players on the show. And everybody's got to have that attitude that the show is the star. And that's really what I tried to strive for after Terry left. All right. So here we are. We're right in the middle of things with you. And I get to really melt people's brains now. That's, that's what we're doing next. I'm just going to warn everybody, if you're listening right now, I need to know, Hawkeye, are, are you a baseball fan? And here's why I'm asking. You were also the radio on the radio broadcast team for the Texas Christian University team from uh, baseball team from 2002 to 2014. What was that experience like? Is it your favorite sport? What's happening there? It is my favorite sport. In fact, I played, I just retired from my amateur baseball career. This is not a joke, actually. I played on a team in Fort Worth for 30 years, and this was my uh, uh, last year playing. Um, I, our whole family, my dad was in the second Little League World Series. My grandfather had a semi-pro team. Baseball was like our family sport. And in 2002, TCU, uh, they decided to upgrade their baseball program, and they built a brand new stadium, and they asked if I wanted to join their broadcast crew. And the guy that was doing play-by-play, Chuck Lamandola, who's become just an incredible friend of me after all these years. We're still very close friends. Uh, he was the play-by-play guy. I didn't, uh, you know, they had me and him in the booth together. I didn't realize how difficult it would be. I thought it would be, I did a morning show. How oh, hard is it talking right. about my favorite sport, baseball? It was, it was a huge learning curve. But he was it's very a different thing, it. right? It's a totally different thing. Totally different thing. And I'll tell you how funny it was. The very first, uh, like, like inning, after the inning, Chuck said to me, he goes, hey, don't yell out, yeah, after a hit. <laughs> wow. Uh, but it was great. And, and then TCU ended up just really building their program to the point that they went to the College World Series multiple times. And that was, a for me, that probably was one of the highlights of my broadcasting career was doing play-by-play with Chuck at the uh, College World Series uh, it was just, um, it was, it was really neat. And, uh, the, you and know, of the, course, that curious family of yours is, they're going, can you believe he's doing all this, right? 
Well, it's uh, yeah, it, it really got to the point, to be honest, it just it got to be too much. And I, and I had to let something go. And um, I've always uh, thought about it. Chuck and I remain friends. And uh, I've actually popped in a few times over the years uh, to fill in and stuff. But I always thought maybe after I, I retire, I'd like to go back to the baseball booth and do that some more. I really nice. enjoyed it. So we'll see where that leads. So. We're going we're gonna to take a little bit more of a serious turn here. What was the biggest shift in mindset that you maybe have adopted in the last 18 or so months since COVID has changed the behavior patterns for listeners everywhere on earth? Well, I, I think we've been rather lucky in that, you know, if you've been on the air in one place as, as long as we have, that you've cultivated fans. Uh, but we, I kind of have felt like I've discovered the fans are still there. But maybe they're not getting up to go to work anymore. I hear this all the time. Yeah, I don't travel to work anymore, so I don't tune you in guys mm. in as very much. Or my kids weren't going to school. Luckily, most of our schools are back in session now. So it felt like it was important to us to find ways to reach out to people uh, who weren't listening anymore. Not because they didn't like your programming or you know they didn't like your show, but because their routine had changed so much. So it seemed like you know our goal really kind of shifted to be to reach out to those people who, you know, when they were going to get back to their, you know, old routines, that, that you were the top of mind and you were there. So that's, that's kind right. of what we tried to reconnect with. Um, also, just a side note, I hadn't run the board since I was in college. <laughs> Terry always <laughs> ran the board. And then actually, no. Terry, yeah, Terry ran the board. And then, um, and then actually kind of near, I don't know, about probably 20, 25 years into it, Terry uh, he stopped running the board and a producer ran the board. So when, it, when the roles kind of shifted, that producer ran the board for me. Um, and then, uh, you know, the other people on the show ran the board. And then when we went into COVID protocol, I was the only one coming into the station. We didn't have a producer at the time. And Did this terrify you, by the way? Uh, I wouldn't say terrified me, but I, I was very methodical. I had one day to learn it. This is how fast it came down. One day to learn how to run the board. Now, obviously, I'd been in the studio. I knew how it worked, but I'd never worked this cumulus OPEX system before. And um, and I'm, you know what? I'm really glad I did do that because when everybody came back, uh, I, wanted, I, I stayed behind the board because I felt like I had more control over the show and gave other people Ooh. the opportunity to kind of work on different, you know, kind of get their segments better prepared and so forth. So I'm really glad it worked out that way. And uh, it was kind of a blessing in disguise. And uh, so, yeah, I've stayed behind the board since then. All right. So I got a last question for you. And you're just going to have to be the nice guy here because <laughs> I, you're, you've got to have some peace with some of the some of the things that can happen, like what I'm about to do to you here, okay? Because mm -hmm. you're in the Hall of Fame, mm -hmm. okay? You know you've been doing this for a long time. I'm just going to... I'm just going to talk about the power of words for a minute, okay? Okay. You have been with KSCS since Ronald Reagan was president. <laughs> I, I, look, I'm just saying, wow. Does it feel like that long? Do you feel like a legend of this business? Because you are still creating and you're clearly charged up for today and tomorrow. You're thinking ahead, not behind. Well, I will say that 
it doesn't feel that long. And I, it's funny, we'll take listeners, you know, we'll talk to listeners and we'll get their information for a prize when that's their birthday. And, that, and I, Michelle is always just laughs because I always say the same, same thing. I, like, I was born in 1992 and I'll say, you know what I was doing in 1992? <laughs> I was working here. And it's, the cool thing is I'll have so many people say, when I went to school, we listened to you in the car on the way to school. And now I'm driving to school with my kids and we're listening. Oh, that's to you huge. I, I, I love that. Um, it's still my favorite four hours of the day. David Letterman said that the hour that he puts on his show is his favorite hour of the day. And I get that. I totally get that. It's, you know, Terry and I, we used to, you know, we, I mean, it was like, whatever was going on in our lives, we had the show and we absolutely loved doing the show. I still love doing the show and it's my favorite four hours of the day. Um, so it's just a, a thrill to do it. So I still get, I'm excited, especially if I know what's coming up the next day is something really neat that makes me excited, but I can't wait to do the show and everything. Um, and my co-host Michelle's got the same attitude. If it's a great show, we're excited about doing that. I will say this though, you know, 32 years, we've had multiple owners. I've had a ton of program directors. I've had, you know, it hasn't all been just roses. There's been some ups and downs and, you know, been right. some hard times. And I, one thing I, uh, and I kind of want, it goes back to your seven things that, you know, uh, personalities can do. One thing yes. that you can really do for yourself in your own building especially in today's climate where you might be in a building with, we've got six radio stations in our building and that's pretty common these days to be in these mega clusters is you Correct. really need to, you need to be an advocate for yourself in your own building. And, you know, if you've got a great attitude and uh, that really goes a long way and everybody wants, you want to be the person everybody works with, but there's a limited amount of resources. And then people have a limited amount of time too, in your building. You know, we have like, you know, one one promotion director does multiple stations now and they don't have a lot of time. So you have to be an advocate for yourself for these limited resources. And and that's where having a good attitude really comes in. And I see, you know, there's another station in the building, too, that's a powerhouse in the building. And those guys are out at 10 a.m. And and I'm, I'm there afterwards working with, you know, helping salespeople out and stuff like that, trying to have that Ted Lasso attitude. And that really pays off when there's a, you know, one remote truck <laughs> and three yeah. stations needed. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you, you really need to be an advocate for yourself in the building. Don't be shy about that. In fact, sometimes, you know, I've found that my, sometimes my biggest, uh, my, I don't want to say battle, but, you know, uh, but, you know, sometimes, you know, being an advocate in your own building is almost more important than battling other states at other markets because you're, you know, there's such limited resources anymore. And you, right. you've really got to do that. And so uh, that's where having a good attitude and being a team player, especially with sales, really pays off. We cannot control what happens in this business. If you meet somebody who tells you that they know the future, know that they are a liar. <laughs> They're a liar, okay? But but what you're talking about is is really the fundamental building block of what you can control, which is your attitude and what you bring to the table as the player. I really feel like at least twice tonight, probably four times, you have you have given. Uh, it, and I don't, I don't know if you can say this to somebody in Dallas, mm -hmm. but you've been Tom Brady a couple of times. <laughs> and and look, we all know that Tom Brady is synonymous with man. You might not like him, but you know he's a pro. And I bet those salespeople in your building and everybody else knows that Hawkeye is the pro. Now, I, I did promise that I was not going to ask more questions, but I got to ask this because I don't know if you know this answer. You may not pay attention to this. Are you the longest standing morning talent in Dallas-Fort Worth right now? Is there somebody close to you? Do you know about this? 
I am not. Actually, Hal J on WBAP, who's in our cluster, is. Actually, he's been there longer than I have. Uh, and, and his sports guy, Steve Land, has been also there longer. So those two have been there longer. Uh, Bo and Jim uh, on our classic rock station, uh, they're, they're owned by um, another, another, uh, uh, another group. They've been on a couple different stations, but they've also been in the market longer than I have. So there's some incredible talent. But yeah, Hal's been on WBAP longer than I've been at KSCS. So yeah, he has. I got to tell you, you start talking about how long you've been on, you know, and I, I did that on purpose saying you've been on that radio station since Ronald Reagan was president. That has that is such a huge deal. People don't understand how powerful that is. Well, but I haven't really, really been following. I haven't been really been following the news. Is he not president anymore? Did that end? Did I miss that? Oh, Hawkeye. <laughs> I, listen, I want to thank you so much for being our guest. <laughs> you know, I think, is your wife close by, I hope? Uh, yeah, she's like in the next room, yes. <laughs> so, yes. listen, I do hope that you'll stick around for a, a couple of minutes in case our audience has yeah. a question or two. We're going to try to give them an opportunity to do that. You know, look, every single week, we have visits from radio pros from different parts of the country. We do this a, a singular reason. Reason. We are here to encourage you and encourage anyone making a living in the radio business today. We just kind of thought, you know, where is the place where radio pros can be encouraged? Then we thought, well, OK, there isn't one. We're going to make one. And that's what we're doing. We're here to encourage you and, and encourage you in a very special set of ways. So this is also where you can come and you can hear from people you ordinarily might not get there in an intimate setting. Talk about radio right now. And you can meet them on our Clubhouse live events. Follow the people on this stage at this live event. Look around the room. Connect with other folks in the room because we do believe that networking is a huge part of getting ahead in the radio business, especially in today's modern environment. Don't forget next week on Monday, November the 8th, Chase Patrick Murphy, brand manager, marketing, published author, like today, by the way. Um, also, Dennis Glasgow, who is the pro director of WONK, iHeart Media in Washington, D.C. We're going to talk about that. And Corey Dillon, who does mornings on 100.7 Big FM in San Diego, will be one of co-hosts for that event and the radio rally. And you do not want to miss what is going to go down next Monday on Clubhouse, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We encourage you to take part in that. We are going to open up the room in case you might have a question for somebody on our panel or one of our guests. Uh, by the way, uh, we definitely want you to do that if you want to. You do not have to do that. We don't make people come on this live event and ask questions. You can just listen. We do ask that if you do raise your hand, we'll bring you up on the stage. We ask that you mute your microphone until we call on you. Check in anytime to get the latest update as we continue to add guests. You can always do that. We publish our full updated schedules for both of our weekly live events at RainmakerPathway.com. And that's where you can get all kinds of free con for you to help you with your career. Also, don't forget, you can join us Wednesdays on the Clubhouse app live for innovation and audio with Skip Dillard from WBLS and Hot 97 in New York City. As usual, we'll have two guests, just like the Radio Rally, but just like normal for innovation and audio, only one will be from radio itself. The other is usually somebody who is a little bit different, who handles and works consistently with innovation in another lane, may or may not be tied directly to radio or even audio. It's our way to give a different perspective on creativity, on change, 
on innovation itself. This Wednesday, yes, just two days away, our live innovation and audio event will feature Matt Goldberg. Now, he is the vice president of content strategy for NBCU-owned stations, TV stations in Los Angeles, California, and we definitely want you to be around for that well. So, uh, I do have a question for Nikki here, and Nikki, you've been patiently listening. We'll see if she's passed out or if she's still with us right now. I'm here, Lord. Uh, I, w- I want to know about this passion of yours. You you always bring 300% to anything that you do. What drives your passion? Is it the music? Is it radio? Is it accomplishment? What's going on there? I've, Lord, that's a hard question. I've, it's it's a lot of different things. You You know I love music. Uh, my parents were musicians, and I think I, I would have ended up working with the music industry some in some shape, form, or fashion if I hadn't ended up in radio. But I, I really have to take it back to the whole community service part of that. And, and just that, to me, is such a blessing. And I've always felt like um, I was fortunate. That, that God put me in a position so that I did have that, you know, as a, as a contribution. And, you know, that's, that's where all of it comes from with me. Very nice. Very nice. And Hawkeye, I have this question for you. You know, look, everybody hangs up their headphones at some point, right? And one day you'll do that too. I think about you and your incredible curiosity. And I want to know, is there something on your your bucket list that you've not done that you think, all right, look, one day when I retire, I'm going to do X. Yeah. You know what? This, yes. I want to hike the Appalachian trail. I want to, and I want to work for the Olympics. And uh, I, I think I ha- might have opportunity for the second one. Uh, if the, if the winter Olympics come back to Salt Lake city, my wife and I spent a lot of time in park city, Utah. Uh, we love mm-hmm. it up there. And I'd like, that's why I'd like to parlay the Dallas marathon experience and to do something for the Olympics uh, something with the organizing committee. Um, I mean, literally I will stand and take tickets, anything. I just want to be part of that experience somehow, but I'd like to do something for that. And next time the Olympics are in the United States, they're actually coming to Los Angeles in a few years also. So maybe that's my opportunity. If you were listening to this tonight or you're listening to this on the podcast, you didn't learn anything. It's not our fault. We do try to keep things to about an hour, by the way. One of the great things about our live events is that you can listen. You're, nobody's required to ask questions. We don't push people to do that. Thank you for joining us every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Radio Rally. Remember, if you know somebody you would like to hear as a guest on the Radio Rally, email me. It's the F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. We hope that you have a great week. Like we always say at Rainmaker Pathway and on the Radio Rally, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else that you want. We mean that. If you need a tutorial, uh, call me up. I can help you with that. A big thank you to Heather Frog there for being a great co-host for this event. Our thanks to Hawkeye from KSCS in Dallas-Fort Worth and Nikki Thomas from WXBQ in Bristol for being our patient and giving guests tonight. A very special thank you to Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available shortly uh, anywhere you get your podcast. And also thank you to Just Joe Production for creating our audio footprint and distributing the podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally, and the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast with others who are interested in growing their careers 
and audio, both podcasts are available right now on Apple, Spotify, Audible, and wherever you get your podcast. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else, please be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally with the Encouragers, and good night.